Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I talk to Elise Petter. Elise has been a practicing clinical nutritionist for over 25 years. Her practice quickly led into plant-based nutrition, where she focused on educating people through many organizations and projects on the benefits of plant-based living and plant-based meals. Most recently, she helped to found Seed Relief, a nonprofit that partners with local farms and restaurants donating plant-based meals to those experiencing food insecurity due to COVID-19. Here we go. Thank you for joining me. I'm really excited that we got to connect. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, So the podcast is called Consciously Clueless. And I did that to kind of create space to explore how on my own journey, sometimes I'm like, I'm so, I get it. I've like become enlightened. I am conscious. I'm with it. And then there's other moments where I'm like, nope, I'm clueless. I have no idea what I'm doing (laughs) Um, and everything in between. And that's what I really like exploring. So I like to start with asking people where you kind of feel like you're at right now, maybe in this moment, today, this week on that spectrum of conscious and clueless? Um, Well, I guess um, professionally, because I I am a nutritionist and Mm -hmm. I have been for over 20 years um, and because it's a science and I have to keep myself up to date and just be aware that it's things are constantly changing and you have Mm -hmm. to keep on top of um, what's changing and sort of getting a clue into the fact that the way I was actually trained, um, which was with a um, Western medicine science, um, you know, along, I went, I did my residency at at Tulane Medical School. And although it was um, a school of public health and tropical medicine, so it was a little bit alternative for medical school, but all of my training, my clinical training and my master's degree was all, um, you study the different disease states and then you learn which medications are used for those disease states and then what are the nutritional implications of each mm-hmm. of the medications so it was very disease based fix it with medication and i think you know where i am now is sort of i'm getting to see a, a big part of mainstream beginning to catch up with a lot of what's felt intuitively right to me but mm went against the grain of what I was trained with and what was really in um, mainstream Western medicine. Yeah. So I think I, you know, I can really think back to when I was doing my residency training and when you wanted to change something with a patient and you wanted to make a recommendation about a certain vitamin or something in their diet, you had to go to the doctor that was covering that patient and say, you know, I'd like to make this change. Can we do this? And I remember really specifically having an issue with a patient and 
wanting to change something that like affected their liver enzymes and talking to one of the internists and, and him saying to me, oh, you need to go talk to like the liver team about this. So it was this very like the cardiologists talk about the heart, right. you know, whether it's whatever it, it, each doctor covers a different part of the body. And there was so no, disconnected completely disconnected, no thought to the big picture, no thought, you know, you have these big record books of like pages and pages, and then this happened to their liver, and then this happened to their kidneys, and then, and it was like, I would just look at these books and think to myself, like, there's nothing in here that says, how did this person get here? How did this patient become a cancer patient? How did they become a dialysis patient? How did they get to this point? And it felt so intuitively wrong to me. And this was, you know, this was NYU. This was a top school. This was, you know, apparently one of the best schools in the nation. And the whole style of medicine felt wrong. And so after I finished my master's degree and I started practicing in New York, um, I ended up like seeking out doctors that were more alternative and were more open to nutrition because none of the doctors I worked with had taken a single nutrition class in med school, not one. They were not required to take one single class in nutrition. God, that blows my mind. And today I'd say probably less than 10% of medical schools 20 years later require a nutrition class. So to give you some idea, when you go to a mainstream Western medicine doctor, the chances of you getting any information about diet or prevention are slim to none, unless they've gone on their own. And there are groups of doctors and now I've become part of this group called the Plantrition Project, and they are a group of physicians that have decided that they believe that diet can reverse disease, and they do continuing ed conferences and seminars for doctors that want to learn about nutrition. So it it does exist now at this point, you can find them. But for the most part, I've really had to explore Eastern medicine. So mm-hmm. I've studied Ayurvedic medicine. I've studied Chinese medicine. I've studied homeopathy. And all of these things to me felt intuitively right. Right. Looking at the whole body, looking yes. at what's going on. How can we prevent? What can we do differently? You know, why are you having these symptoms? Um, so I, you know, Back to your question about conscious or clueless, I think on a conscious level, I've always tried to follow my intuition. Um, And I guess, you know, there's always more to learn, right? So Mm -hmm. now I'm thinking about taking, for some reason, Ayurvedic is like pulling me. So I've kind of dabbled Mm. in it, but I'm into really into yoga and I'm really into meditation and I just feel this intuitive pull to like take my Ayurvedic training to another level. So in that I'm clueless, you know, I cook Ayurvedically for people and I use a lot of the herbs and spices, but there's so much to learn, um, which, you know, I think that's one of the great things about it, right? There's always, these are 
thousands and thousands of years old, these medicines and these practices that have been working um, and, and feel right to me on so many levels. So it's exciting that there's always more to learn to make myself a better nutritionist and be able to help people on a deeper level. Um, so I guess that's a good sort of paradigm, right? Between like the conscious and, and the clueless on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you, I have so many questions after you just sharing that. So I'm trying to get them in order in my head, but when did you become vegan? Cause I'm wondering if when you were beginning your journey as a nutritionist, were you already vegan or not? No. So it's funny. I, I have like some really vivid memories of childhood where I was not raised vegan mm-hmm. and my parents, you know, cooked meat and, and gave us meat for dinner. And I was actually um, a competitive gymnast when I was a kid. And I remember like really, really vividly. Um, there was one night where my mom had made like tacos, like a, like a ground beef, kind of like a taco. And I, um, I was doing, competitive gymnastics in the evening. So I would go to school during the day and then I would come home and eat and then I would go and do um, practice in the evenings. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like really heavy and really just like it wasn't sitting well with me. And I like, I came home and I said to my mom, like, don't make me meet anymore. And I was probably like about 10. And I, I don't think I was really making the connection in terms of animals and animal cruelty at that point Mm -hmm. I think it was more of how it felt in my body that that Mm -hmm. was really sort of the connection for me um and then I really just started like telling my parents to like not make me meat and consciously started eating less but it wasn't until I went to college and was cooking on my own for the first time that I decided to go completely vegetarian okay so that that was before I did my master's in nutrition. So I just like stopped eating meat, um, but I wasn't completely off of, I was never like big into dairy, but I still ate eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, so not vegan, but vegetarian. And then um, when I had my kids, I, for a few reasons, had decided that I was going to raise them on a pescatarian diet. Mm-hmm. I thought I would just have them have like, small amounts of like wild fish, you know, that I knew where it was coming from and free range eggs, but I, I didn't want to give them any dairy or beef or chicken or, and for me, the main reason for that was, um, I was really concerned about the hormones and food. And I remember studying how, the average age of puberty had gone from like 13 to 10 and that there was a large correlation between the hormones and food. And my thought was, you know, I could get free range meat or free range eggs or, but what happens when my children go to somebody else's house and they're eating like, you know, some processed chicken nuggets or some non-organic milk or ice cream or so I consciously thought, you know, let's do it this way. And then when they get older, if they decide they want to try something and I can explain to them the difference between free range and anyway, so that lasted until my daughter was four 
and and I was practicing nutrition at this point and I was creating diets for people that were mostly vegetarian but if they wanted to eat meat I would be able to create a diet for them that way as well and then um, when my daughter was four we were having salmon Mm -hmm. for dinner and we had a goldfish in the kitchen like swimming around in a bowl and she was like one of these moments that you don't forget and she she like looked she was like looking at the goldfish and I think Goldie was the goldfish (laughs) (laughs) looking at Goldie and then she's like looking at her plate she's looking at Goldie and I saw you know sort of like the wheels spinning and she looks and she says mommy did this pointing at her plate used to swim like Goldie? Did this used to look like Goldie? And I said, uh, yeah, well, when the, you know, when the salmon is a, a kind of a fish and when it lived in the ocean, it swam around like you're a goldfish. That's, you know, that's what it did before it made its way to your plate. And she like had to think, and then she pushed her plate away. She said, don't ever give that to me again. And I just thought like, Mm, kids, she made that conscious connection. And I felt like as her mom and as a nutritionist, I need to honor that. And I, you know, it's going to be, it's going to take some work and it's going to take some investigating and, you know, her pediatrician certainly not going to tell me how to raise a vegan kid. And my master's degree didn't teach me how to raise a vegan kid, but I thought, you know, if this is important to her and she's made this conscious connection, I'm going to honor it. Yeah. Um, And then her two-year-old brother said, don't give me that either. (laughs) (laughs) And that was it. And now they're, you know, now they're 13 and 11. So that was nine years ago. And it was just, you know, once they were doing it, there was no reason for me not to do it. Um, And, and that was that. Um, but I really, you know, I learned a lot from them and it's, you know, the part, the animal connection has become way stronger for me through them and through spending time volunteering at sanctuaries and, um, you know, it's just learning about the egg industry and learning about the dairy industry. And it's just, you know, I, I can't imagine now like any other way. And it's mm-hmm. it got to a point in my practice where I just made the decision that I just, I don't want to work with people unless they are going plant-based because I don't, yep. it doesn't feel right. And there's plenty of nutritionists out there and, you know, it's not difficult to find a nutritionist in Northern California. And I thought <laughs> you know, this, this feels right to me. This is what I'm going to stick with. Right. Um, And, and so that's sort of how my, my practice emerged. And it was really, I I like credit my kids for like a big part of it. I think that we so underestimate children and their ability to like make those connections and feel that compassion. And we get jaded as we get older and further away from that. I love that they were like your little teachers. All the time. Mm. And I, and I actually think it's a really great way to to sort of depend on and count on and inspire the children to really be impactful because Mm. in terms of our planet and the environment and climate change they're the ones that really need to make the changes and I think it's you know 
if you're not telling your kids how that piece of meat got to your plate, you're really deceiving them. And yeah. I, I think it's really important for kids to be told the truth because some of these kids are going to grow up and be little activists and they're going to say to their parents, how did you let me eat that? Or how yeah. did you let me drink milk when that baby cow had to be like removed from its mom? And they're going to be not happy about it. Right. And I think it's, you know, we're sort of like, we've been brainwashed as kids. And I think if we really want the world to change and we want these kids to be impactful, I think we really need to tell them the truth about where their food is coming from or there won't be any changes and they right. won't have a planet for their children and grandchildren. I think that what you just said too, about like, it's, it's their world, right? Like they're the ones growing up and they're the ones in these next few years and next few decades that are going to be really feeling the effects of that. So like telling them the truth, telling everyone the truth, because there's still so many people that, you know, not just kids, but adults that just genuinely don't know. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, I have to tell you, I live in Marin County, which is very affluent, very educated. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you the number of people with, you know, higher education, high paying jobs where I've had conversations at social events, mm -hmm. when we had social events where, <laughs> where, you know, I would say like, oh, I'm vegan. And, and they would say something like, oh, I, you know, I totally get that. I love animals, but I can't give up cheese. And I would say, it's well, always cheese. It oh, is always, always cheese. And then I would say like, oh, do you know, do you like, do you know anything about the dairy industry? Like, do you know, you know, how it is that we get the milk, which turns into cheese. And, and when I tell you, you know, well-educated, no clue. What do you mean they have to take the baby cow away from the mother? Like there is, nobody knows that. I don't want to say nobody, but right. you know, here we live somewhere where there's like vegetarian restaurants and there's farm sanctuaries and, and these the people here don't know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to well, that's intentional, right? Like if we all exactly. knew, then those industries would collapse. Exactly. Well, that's, you know, the brainwashing, right. Of all of those, um, industries and, and, you know, government influence and exactly, um, big pharma and everything else. So it's, um, yeah, it's unfortunate, but if, if you try to think about educating the kids, I mean, I'm really trying to get my daughter is 13 and she's just become a, um, a youth ambassador for farm sanctuary. Oh, and they do these monthly meetings and she's, you know, online with like kids from all over the world and they're learning about policies and they're learning how to make impact. And, you know, I think it, and I, now that my kids are like home on zoom and I say to them, you know, all right, tonight we're watching a documentary and they're such good. I mean, kiss the ground. And I don't know if you've mm. seen some of these like unbelievable documentaries that are out right now. Um, I haven't seen kiss the ground. Kiss the ground is amazing. And the other one is um, the David Attenborough one. Yeah. I, that's on my list to watch. You have to see it. And I, I actually, I was like trying to think who I knew. And I wonder if you would maybe have some connection with this because you're sort of in the education world. Mm-hmm. 
it should be like required for children to see like in the public school systems Mm. because it's um it really you know the first half is like a little depressing like oh my god the world's ending but then the second half is really um inspiring and it's it's empowering and it really has some like tangible solutions right and I think it could really inspire kids to just mm. say like, this is what I need to do. And of course he talks about going plant-based and how, you know, in order to get back the wildlife that we've lost, we need back half the land, which is now being used for animal agriculture. And it's these, you know, he makes the whole connection for you in terms of what's on your plate, how the animal agriculture is, you know, participating in the deforestation how we're cutting down the trees you know the carbon emissions and it's just it really pulls the whole thing together and because he was this adventurous you know that was traveled the whole world his whole life he's showing you from the time he was like in his 20s and now I think he's 93 and he as he goes through the years he says population and the population um carbon like the amount of carbon in the atmosphere and wildlife population and he shows you exponentially how as the population goes up the carbon goes up the wildlife goes down throughout the whole film and it's it's impactful um but definitely i mean if you know in your field with your education if there was like i don't know how that would happen to make some especially now that the kids are home um, to have like a film that they have to watch and talk about. God, that would be amazing. Yeah. God, that would be so amazing. Well, and I think of, it takes a while, you know, sometimes for some people it's one film. Like I've had so many people I talked to that are like, well, I watched what the health and that was it, you know, like that one really did it. Or game changers. Um, yes. Or game. Oh, what a, like, what a great one. Yeah. To, um, but sometimes it takes a while, you know? So like, as many things like that, that people can be exposed to, especially young kids, I think it takes them less time than it takes us to kind of understand things. But I think of, um, what was that? Oh, supersize me. Oh yeah. We watched that in high school. And I remember being so grossed out and so just like disgusted, but I didn't change my eating habits. Isn't that interesting how like sometimes you see something, but you don't make that connection, right? Yeah. That like cognitive dissonance that we can just kind of be like, oh, you like I'm hungry, <laughs> you know, like I'll get a burger or yeah, yeah. exactly. So like sometimes it's going to take a few exposures to things. So like anything like that, like those films, the more that you yeah. can introduce to people, I think everyone clicks in different places, I guess. For sure. So one of the things, or actually how I discovered you, was the um, organization nonprofit, right? Nonprofit that you started Seed Relief. Yes. So tell me more about that because I think it is absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. Um, Okay, well, so now you know about my nutrition background and Mm -hmm. where my practice um, currently is and was. um, And so I guess when COVID happened, there was sort of this, something went off in my mind where I used to be sort of the, 
on some level, like tried to be like the happy dappy vegan. Like if you want to be vegan, great. And if you don't, that's your personal choice. And, you know, I tried to not be too like, how could you not be vegan? I tried to Mm. be accepting and I tried to have this thought in my mind, like, you know, they're just not vegan yet, but everybody has the opportunity to become vegan. So maybe I should just be open and accepting and non-judgmental. And then when COVID happened and I learned that it was zoonotic disease and that it actually was a virus that had stemmed from the animals and, you know, whether it was the wet markets or these similar viruses that had come out of, you know, the factory farms, bird flu and swine flu and mad cow. And something clicked in me where I was just like, okay, now I'm mad. Like now, now it's no longer your personal choice. Like my kids are home from school. We can't go to a restaurant. I can't visit my family that lives on the other side of the country and the other side of the world. And it's because you guys all need to eat a hamburger. Like something clicked (laughs) where I was just angry. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, and my daughter who was 12 at the time, she just turned 13. And she was like, you know what, mommy, it's karma. And I said, you're right. I said, and I, you know, and I, it's just, you know, for her to hear about COVID and what it was and the type of virus and that it was zoonotic and to say that it was karma, like we deserved this, you know? And what a teacher she is big time. And, but I thought to myself, you know, it's not a lot of people's faults, right? Who are not educated. And there's so much disparity around education and there's food deserts and there's, you know, food inequalities and food equity. And yeah, it's totally systematic. So systematic. And I, And I just thought, you know, if people really understood not only the impact it was making on the planet, but also on their health and that they've been brainwashed so that some people could make a lot of money and you could end up, you know, sick and in the hospital, which also makes money, Um, you know, being ill is a business as well. And I thought, you know, we really need to get back to education, you know, on like a grassroots level. And then I wanted to do some volunteer work. I mean, most of my existing clients switched to virtual. So I was doing okay in my practice. I wasn't really getting any new clients, but I had my clients virtually. So I had some time and I, I went and volunteered at a food bank and we were like handing out bags of like produce and groceries and you know, I just happened to say to somebody, you know, what, what is, what's in here? What are we handing out? And they said, oh, you know, there's some produce and, you know, some dry goods and and a ham. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, you know, okay, so we're giving people like factory farm hams and like pork farms are closing down because workers have COVID and pigs are carrying COVID and we're donating hams and then you know it's not not those people's fault they need food right and so not only are we giving people food that makes them sick 
and is torturing animals and is horrible for the planet, we're also not having any regard for their cultural preference. So what if you're Muslim and you don't eat pork or you're vegan or you're Jewish or, you know, where is the regard for cultural preferences? And I think it, to me, I thought if I was a mom that was out of work and I raised my kids Muslim and they've never had pork and we had no food and I came home from a food bank with a ham and had to tell my children we're eating ham because that's all we have. How degrading is that yeah. for a parent? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, what a lack of, of regard and respect for people's preferences. And I, I thought, you know, not only is vegan food better for their health and for the animals and for the planet. It's also culturally universal. Mm. Everybody in every culture eats plant-based food. Right. And so I just started looking around at like food relief efforts and couldn't find any that were vegan, not mm. anywhere. And it was like, it was so strange to me. I just right. thought, why, why? And it's cheaper it's less money and it's, you know, it checks all the boxes. Mm. So, um, so I decided to start one. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't find one and I thought we needed one. And I just, um, I luckily, I had some good connections in my community because before COVID, I, I had been thinking about open a opening a vegan restaurant. Oh, wow. So I knew a lot of the restaurateurs. I had mm -hmm. met with them and tried to convince some of them to like invest in me and partner with me. So when I went to them and said, you know, can you prepare meals? You know, they were like joking, like, I'm guessing you're going to want us to prepare vegan meals. And I said, yep. But they were happy because they didn't have any customers and they had to lay off, you know, three quarters of their employees and which a good percentage of them were families that were in need because they, they were either undocumented immigrants that couldn't go to food banks. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that's how that started. And then we just partnered up with some local organizations that were already running food banks and had okay. already identified where the need was and we okay. just, um, fundraised and, um, around the community and we had people were really generous and we kind of just put it together and started fundraising and then we started buying the meals from the restaurants and bringing them to the different food pantries. So uh, you are providing plant-based meals to places that are experiencing food insecurity due to COVID. Exactly. Okay. Um, and so, and it's, it's branched out a little bit from there. So we've actually, when the fires got really bad, we had um, frontline workers that we were getting meals to and mm. firefighters. And then we had evacuees. Um, and then we had volunteers that were working at like animal sanctuaries that were bringing in animals, like literally rescuing animals from burning sanctuaries in the night. And we're working like, 30 hour shifts that we brought oh my gosh. really just like where we see the need. Um, and we've also been, we've had a few like other really great things happen. We partnered with 
um, a few organic farm cooperatives. Like, so we live where there's like all these amazing farms out in Sonoma and Petaluma, like not far from us. And the farmers, of course, were hurting also because they have all of this surplus of produce because they're not bringing it to the restaurants. Right. So we got together with a bunch of people and started creating um, CSA boxes that we're selling to um, people in the community. And then people in the community have the opportunity to buy an extra CSA box to donate to the communities in need. So we've been able to give away up to like about 50 boxes a week of organic produce to families that, that need food. Um, wow. So that's been another great um, component of it. And it's, um, you know, a lot of these are families that there's one area in Marin, it's called Marin City, and it's government funded um, housing, and it's, and it's predominantly a black community. And there's really, you can really see the disparity between like the shopping centers that are near them and what they have access to in terms of like healthy food and grocery stores. And they're the only county in Marin that doesn't have a farmer's market once a week. And oh, so wow. it's like a clear kind of food desert, like we are talking about. Exactly. And so we've been like really trying to help like that community. We started like this really great program. Um, it just started last Friday where we bring in all of the produce from one of our farm partners. And then we've been getting, um, like corporate sponsors who want to do a um, like a team building volunteer day. So we'll get like 10 volunteers from a company to come to Marin City and put together all the produce boxes for us that are going to be donated. And then we bring a vegan lunch because um, there are groups of kids that are being um, they're doing Zoom school and they have this amazing like rec center because a lot of these kids don't have parents home with them to oversee their school. So there's a rec center um, with volunteers that are overseeing these kids and we bring them like a vegan lunch and I do like a little nutrition lesson with them and show them all the organic produce and make the connection to them. You know, this is where it's grown and we brought in this. I love produce. that. Um, and it's great because they ask such great questions. Like, you know, what's the difference with one kid said to me last week, it was so cute. He said, um, what's the difference between vegetarian and vegan? And then I told him, and then he said to me, so you're a vegan. And I said, I am. He goes, he thinks about it. He goes, so you don't eat bacon. <laughs> so I said, I eat vegan bacon it's really good. And he's like, vegan bacon. He like thought about it. I was like, okay, next week I'm bringing you vegan bacon. <laughs> like, oh, I love that. What, you know, it's, it just to like, they wouldn't have been, ex a lot of these kids just wouldn't be exposed to any of these vegans food, but why not? You know? And then there's like, I have a girlfriend that owns a um, animal sanctuary. And I told her this story and she said to me, that's it. I'm creating a mobile sanctuary. I'm throwing a couple of the goats and one of the pigs into a van. I'm bringing them over. And when you let them try the vegan bacon, I'm going to say, meet Olivia. You're now preventing Olivia from being turned into bacon. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. A mobile sanctuary. That's kind of genius. That. To like go around to the schools and like really let the kids make that connection. Yeah, that's kind of genius. She said the pigs and the goats love driving in the van. 
<laughs> what an image of like her going down the road with their little heads popping out the windows <laughs> yeah exactly oh I love that I love how so many pieces have come together for this organization and what I think is so interesting when things like this pop up like you saw a need and like you said you were like well there's not what I want so I'm gonna create it yeah and what's so interesting is the more that happens the less it's like these big systematic things right so you are on the ground level and you're connecting with farmers who have this surplus of food and you're connecting with people who need food and you're connecting with workers who like it's just so ground level and so much more community orientated oh yeah well I've noticed that I think that's something I've really has been like really profound in this space which you know, having been a nutritionist and working in New York for 10 years where everything's pretty cutthroat and competitive, yeah. and being in the nonprofit vegan space is hugely collaborative. And I've, I found that people are just reaching out to me and saying like this farm partner that we got, I just literally just got reached out to on Instagram by someone who was like, I can get you like 30 to 40 farm boxes a week to like give to Marin's like people are just reaching out and we've now a whole nother avenue that I didn't even consider is um, grants. We've been getting also through social media organizations like Veg Fund, you know, Veg Fund. That's how I found out about you. Oh, okay. Amazing. That's so good to know. Yes. Yeah. They did like a whole, they gave us money and then they did this whole story on us. And I was like, I didn't even know that these global organizations supporting vegans existed. Yeah. I thought I get their like email newsletter and I saw you in there and I was like, that's amazing. I want to talk to her. That's literally how I found you. Oh, that's so good to know. That's so great. So there you go. I mean, that's yes. that was, I just, to me, that was, it felt so good to have an organization reach out to us. And then I saw some of the other projects that they were supporting around the world. And do you know the, um, do you know the vegan women's summit? Oh, you know what? I've heard of it, but I okay. don't know a lot about it. That. You should get on their um, their email and they do all these like great virtual conferences now where they bring on like fantastic um, women that they interview just doing great. Oh, that sounds amazing. All over the world. Yeah, you would love them. Okay. And they did this story on this group of um, women in Africa that were doing... Um, it was a vegan women's anti-poaching group. Like I saw that. Was that, I'm like, if I was 20 and didn't have kids, I would be there like enlisting to defend the elephants. Like that would be like my dream. Yes. And when I saw that and I watched the film and it was like, you know, James Cameron did this whole thing and I was so fascinated. So they interviewed one of the generals and that's how I learned about it. And then just like looked up the organization and watched the movie and did some research. And then I saw that Veg Fund was like funding their food, this all vegan food that, you know, and they called it like, um, I forgot the word, but it, it translated to like back to our roots. And the point was like before Western civilization, sort of came in and took over and agriculture and animals that they were actually eating vegan. Right. 
And so they wanted to go back to their roots of eating, you know, all of this amazing vegan food. And I saw like veg funds supporting that and that they were interested in us. I just felt like, you know, to even be thought of in the same category Mm. with people that are doing such amazing things was like really just sort of like validating. I was just going to say, it sounds really validating that like you're on the right course. Right. And that there are so many other people like doing these amazing things. It's, and you know, to go from like just being a nutritionist and sort of being in this competitive to like this collaborative, you know, we're all in this together. And the only way this is actually going to impact change. And then, you know, when I, when I created Seed Relief, I thought to myself, like, how can I make this as simple and replicable as possible? Mm. Like, I want people to come to me. And that was the story I tried to get across on Veg Fund, like reach out to me and I will tell you how to do this in your community. It's not hard. It doesn't take a big investment. It's, it's really easy. And I think that's, you know, was my hope, like not how can I create this really cool business that nobody else can do, but how can I create something that anybody can do in their community and really be impactful and help a lot of people and, and do something good for the planet. Which is again, so community orientated. And I just love hearing you talk about this because you can tell that you are so in your heart work right now. Thank you. Like it is just so clear the way you talk about it. And it's so lovely and inspiring. And I really love that you were like, I'm not trying to create this unattainable thing. I'm trying to create this thing that people can use. Yes. And it's already, it's already sounds like from when you started seed relief too, like it's already grown. It's already expanded into what you're going to do. So do you have thoughts for like how it keeps expanding or other things you want to do with it? I think that um, I really want to try to find ways to expand the educational component. Mm -hmm. Um, And how can we sort of, you know, what we just, this, what we had just started in Marin City, my thought is if I can do some sort of like curriculum building type content, that would mm-hmm. be, um, you know, really easy for a volunteer or a, or a student or a college or a high school age person to do um, with kids once they go back to school. I love the idea of working with kids. And yeah. like you said before, you know, really just like, getting them at this age where they're, you know, they're really compassionate and they really make the connection. And um, I think because it had such an effect on me with my kids, I just think it's like, there's so much hope and promise in them. And, you know, often they are the teachers and they're the ones that say to the parents, like, let's have a meatless Monday. And, you know, let's like, let's do this or let's grow a garden or, And I think, you know, I'd love to sort of like really kind of take it like down that route and see how we could really be impactful. I think there'll always be people to feed. I think that will always be a component of it. But, you know, when we give out meals, I always hand out um, an education, like a a sheet of paper with Mm -hmm. like English and Spanish. And it says, you know, why vegan? And I have like a picture of like a piece of meat and a picture of like a kidney bean. And I talk about the cost 
for each one and how much protein and how much fat. And I gave like a comparison. And then I gave a bunch of websites that are, um, you know, culturally, um, how should I say it? Like it's, you know, some of the websites are in Spanish. Some of them are like black vegans, like all different types of yeah. websites that, that really provide recipes that are, are culturally um, diverse. And mm -hmm. so it's, you know, when I, and I've had people come back to us and say, you know, you, the food that you donated, the food that you've given us shows us that you care about us because they're getting a lot of crappy food donated. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I've been at some of these pantries and it's like, day old donuts and like day old bread that like they can't sell anymore. And just some like really not, you know, not nutrient dense, not healthy, not anything. Mm -hmm. And they see our food and it's like, you know, prepared by a restaurant and it's, you know, everything's organic and everything's local. And um, they know that it's been cared, you know, prepared for them with care. And I like think there's it, love there. Exactly. And I think it's like, you know, you're, you're hitting people. Yes, they're at a vulnerable time and, but they won't always be there. And if you could, you know, help them during that time, but then also educate them at the same time and say, this is why we're choosing this food for you. This was, this was specially chosen for you because it's nutrient dense and it's good for your health. And it's, building up your immune system and it's helping your kids grow and it's yeah. really inexpensive if you buy locally and you buy seasonally and this is how you can get produce and these are recipes when we give the produce boxes we give sheets of paper with what is in every box what each squash what each vegetable and then recipes oh I love that so it's like trying to really help people to like make the connection and make it really user-friendly and easy for them to make and implement some changes. Yeah, totally. So the educational piece is something you really want to see grow. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I think it, it has to be like a big part of it because otherwise it's just, you know, they're getting food and they're saying, wow, this is great. But then when they get back on their feet and they go food shopping and they buy that, you know, package of like COVID laden factory farmed meat, you know, then they're right back. So if we can really teach people and give them resources, you know, resource share. Yes. Um, ways that they can make changes and, and raise their kids in a healthy way. And, you know, and so much, there's so many connections like now with like Black Lives Matter and food equity. And it's just, you know, and I'm learning a lot with, we've partnered um, with this amazing group in Marin City called Play Marin, and they're doing something a little bit similar to what you're doing. They have an organization called Bridge the Gap, where they're trying okay. to help kids get better opportunities. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, one of the things that we've been discussing is, you know, how can kids actually get better opportunities and get into good schools if their brains aren't nourished with what they need and you know if their parents don't know you know and I remember like yeah that, totally when I was living in New York I was working for um WIC a government organization women infant children yeah and I had I met with families that had children that were like off the growth curve like kids that had like failure to thrive and I had to work with the moms and 
help them come up with recipes. And there was a woman that came in with a two-year-old who was like falling off the growth curve. And this little boy had a bottle with like a brown liquid. And I said to the mom, what's, what's in the bottle? What are you giving him? And she goes, oh, it's Coca-Cola. And I said, you're giving your two-year-old Coca-Cola? And she was like, is that bad? My mom always gave it to me. And I, and it was like, my heart broke because, you know, this, she didn't not love her child. She No, you are what you know. This is what she was taught. And I, and I just thought like, God, there's such like a lack of, and then how do you expect this child to end up having the same opportunities? Right. So, you know, if you really want to talk about like food equity and disparity and, you know, it all comes back to, you know, what are we fueling these kids with? Um, and how can we help sort of level out the playing field, right? With totally good nutrition and, um, and education around it. I think that that's a piece that is being talked about more and more in the vegan world. Cause I think like there's the health piece just like on its own, you know, like health of plant-based obviously and then there's the animal cruelty piece and then the environment piece is really gaining traction but I think the intersections with um, inequality and food and those things are really being talked about more and more now and I think it's so important and it sounds like that's some of the work that you're getting into too yeah it's really important there's actually there's a film coming out that you should keep an eye out for. I haven't seen it yet. I don't actually think it's out, but it's called They're Trying to Kill Us. Yes. Have you heard about that? Yes, I saw the trailer. I mean, so timely, right? Mm-hmm. And then you look at, you know, even Oprah is talking about, like, why are so many people in the Black community getting COVID? Yeah. And, and this film is coming out, and it's just, you know, the writing's on the wall. Like, it's just there are definitely groups of people that are being set up to fail and it's, it's coming out big time. Absolutely. You know, if that ends up being one of the things is that COVID shines the light on a lot of the um, systems that are in place that really need to change Mm -hmm. and that there needs to be this rising up of people saying, you know, no, we don't want to eat that food and we don't want to, treat the animals that way and we don't want to do this to our planet and I think you know these films like you were saying before it's like they're going to this is going to be here's a film that's written you know by a black director and producer and it's you know specifically meant to reach his community and um it's it's going to be really impactful I think and it's super timely um So I think, you know, you have to just be in this space really perceptive to, you know, and not be tone deaf to all of the connections, right? That there's, there's just, you have to think in terms of, of ethnic background and and economic status and education. And if you really want to impact the planet, you have to take everything into consideration, including all the disparities, or you won't really actually be able to make true impact. I think what you just said is so important because it also comes with then recognizing your own privilege, wherever that is. So I know that there's a few things 
that I believed or said or would argue years ago about being vegan that I would never even argue, you know, like it's not just that everyone can or like, yeah, it's possible that we could do more that a lot of people could, but my ignorance and my privilege, I will totally take ownership for some of those arguments, like, no, it's not like those food deserts, that income inequality, how healthy food is now this thing that is like cost can cost so much depending on where you are, even though it's just basics, like all of those things matter so much. And it takes, especially if you're in a position of privilege, being able to step back and say, oh, there's just a lot I don't know. And I love that your organization is really taking those things into account. It's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it has to, right? And I think right. it's also, and I think it's when you talk about privilege and whether it's, you know, white privilege or whether it's in regards to race or economic status or, but, you know, what are you, what can you do with that privilege, right? Yes. Like if you are lucky enough to have been able to get a higher education and be able to, you know, what, what can you do with it? What can yep. you do to like, again, like level the playing field, help people that have not been given those same privileges um, is, and you know, this is like, everybody has to eat, right? So every single time you sit down to eat, you're making a choice and that choice is impactful. I mean, we know now in terms of the environment, the single most impactful thing you can do is to go vegan. I mean, it's statistically and scientifically proven. Yep. So it's, and that's, you know, that's a choice that a six-year-old can make. Yeah. Or a, a four-year-old and a, a two-year-old <laughs> in your house. Exactly. So switching, switching gears from, from that a little bit, um, I want to ask you about something that you have mentioned a couple times or like kind of that I feel like has come up a couple times. Um, it sounds like you have always been really tapped into your intuition. Like even at 10, when you were like, Ooh, this like even, or maybe just like awareness, like you've been um, on this path of awareness. And I love that. Do you feel like you've always been tapped into your intuition? Like that's something that you've always felt really strongly or really accessible to you. Cause I think for a lot of people that feels like, what does that even mean? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. It's, um, I, I do, I think one of the things like having come more into like yoga and meditation mm -hmm. and Eastern philosophies about, you know, sort of like my daughter said that COVID is karma, like what <laughs> you put into the universe and, you know, I do think that you can sort of you can, you can put things out into the universe that you sort of want to happen. And it, it's so funny. I mean, I just recently was cleaning out my son's room, like redoing his room and, and getting rid of all of his like baby books. And there was like a couple that I saved, like sort of these ones that we read over and over that I, I didn't want to throw away. Mm -hmm. And I had this stack of books that I was keeping and I was you know, a few days went by and then I went to go put them back on his shelf. And in his stack of baby books, I saw the Celestine Prophecy, which is a book that I read. If you haven't read it, you should mm -mm. read it. 
it, I read it like in the 90s, um, like during graduate school. And it's basically about how you can sort of will things to happen and how like if you have these thoughts about what you want to do and what you want to happen in the universe, that these sort of these weird coincidences, just you make these connections with people and, you know, little things just start to happen and you sort of see them unfold in real time. And when this book appeared, I thought to myself, God, I've like, you know, I lived in New York and Los Angeles and New Orleans and then California and Florida. Somehow this book managed to make its way onto my child's bookshelf and I thought okay I need to read this again I'm going to read it again and just see you know sort of the meaning of this now because it's so funny that the whole meaning of the book is what you put out there and things happen for a reason I thought okay I need to there's a reason I need to read this book again and I I think I've I have come to sort of this place in my life where I, I do feel like I'm doing what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do try to put out this energy of, I hope that, you know, I can keep myself grounded and healthy, you know, enough to be able to like bring in like the light and the support and the energy that I need from other people and the, and the universe to be able to like do this work. So I, I'm consciously aware of like being grateful to like wake up and yes. be healthy and do my yoga and, and, you know, make choices about have the the luxury of being able to make choices about my food and what I put in my body. Um, but I do think that there is sort of this, I don't know if it's sort of this like maturity or um, confidence that sort of come around seeing things like this veg fund thing and starting to see feel this camaraderie around um there are people in this world that you can learn from and get support from and team up with and I think that's like I I do feel a pull toward things I feel you know when somebody reaches out to me on Instagram I think to myself this is somebody I need to connect with and then Mm -hmm. you know this woman who has the farm the farm boxes that she's now donating 50 a week and she's teaching the kids with me because she doesn't have kids yet and she loves teaching the pro so it's like you put it out and it and it comes back to you so I think there is a sort of a level and it's interesting that you um sort of pointed that out because I don't think I really ever like consciously thought about it but I definitely think it's true when you say it Mm -hmm. it's um that there is sort of this conscious intuition of you know what I need to do and what I feel um pulled toward um so that's that's kind of thought provoking because I don't think I've ever (laughs) actually consciously thought about it but that's very astute (laughs) yeah well I just I feel that from you and I um I am totally into all of those things and like really tapped into people's energy and I've been getting into manifestation stuff lately and that for me I'm like oh this is something I'm supposed to be doing this is so I do on the side I'm a certified health coach I'm also a certified yoga instructor so like I'm I'm trying to make and a Reiki um level two Reiki healer Amazing. I'm trying to make all these things like 
come together. And for some reason, manifestation, like bringing that into my business feels really important. Yeah. And so what you were talking about, I was like, she's totally like manifesting some of these, like she's been manifesting her life totally. And like your intuition, it's one thing to like hear our intuition, but to listen to it is a whole nother thing. It's one thing to like hear that voice, but to actually listen to it and do an act on it is like a whole nother level. And I think that it sounds like that's something that is like really natural to you. And that's so beautiful. Yeah, that's so cool. I'd love to hear more about the manifestation at another time. But yeah, that's um, that's really, you have to read Celestine Prophecy. It's old, but I think you'll love it because it's, okay. it's all about manifesting. Okay. Um, and I think you'll really connect to it. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I'm so excited. I love getting recommendations. <laughs> um, is there anything that you want to share or talk about that I haven't given you space for? Um, no, I think I would just say, I mean, I guess your audience tends to generally be already on this path on some level, right? Mm -hmm. Like, are you have, do you have mostly like a vegan audience or more of like an environmentally conscious audience or is it really anybody? It's kind of run the gamut, honestly. I think because it started with like people in my inner circle, which isn't necessarily people who are vegan, you know, people who have to listen to me talk about it, but then that just like reaches out to their people. And it's been kind of like a mixed bag, which I love. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Okay. So then, then I would say if you've never thought about going vegan and it's something that seems sort of really far off or really, you know, difficult, or you're maybe not necessarily making the animal connection or, you know, watch one of these movies, like what the health or game changers, Mm -hmm. or if you think you might make the animal connection, I would say dominion because that's, that's pretty intense. Um, and it'll really give you some idea of, of actually what is going on. Um, and then, you know, kiss the ground or any of these films that sort of make the environmental connection and then you know there are so many websites now like Mm -hmm. million dollar vegan is a great one you can sign on for like a 30 day um go vegan for 30 days and they will provide you recipes and support all for free this is amazing. And yeah, it's great. And um, yeah, it's such a cool. So I actually found them through Instagram also, and they've been great. They've like done stories, like little Instagram stories on what we're doing. Um, oh, I love that. They're, they're called the Million Dollar Vegan because um, Paul McCartney, who's a big vegan, mm-hmm. and his daughter Stella McCartney, who's like the leading, you know, vegan designer. So he wrote a check to them for a million dollars to like, get the vegan message out and Alicia Silverstone is behind them and Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. So what they, a crew to be around. It's like oh a dream gosh. team. Yeah. So <laughs> they, they are um, putting out some really great, you know, both science and really practical, useful information. If you want to try it. And again, it's free and there's like some great recipes mm-hmm. Um and just, you know, give it a try, like just open your mind to it and, and notice like how good you feel, you know, when you're, when you're eating with compassion and, mm. you know, I would just say, 
you know, from a, from a scientific, you know, with my nutrition brain aspect of it is that try to imagine that when you eat an animal that has been abused or tortured or they are loaded with cortisol, um, which is the stress hormone that, that comes out of fear. And that cortisol, when you eat an animal, you're actually consuming their cortisol. So you, you're consuming the animal's fear and you're consuming their stress hormones. And so try to like make that connection when you're making yeah. your choices about your food and you're thinking about this great burger, um, you're actually eating stress and that is going to affect your hormones and it's going to affect your mental health and it's going to, it's going, it's going to affect everything. And then, you know, we're in such an amazing time right now with alternatives. I mean, we've gotten, we've partnered up with beyond meat and Miyoko's cheese. Yum. Oh my gosh. I mean, I have clients that have been meat eaters their whole life. And I like, let them try, you know, a vegan bolognese made with Beyond Meat. You cannot tell the difference. Absolutely not. You cannot tell the difference. So it's, we're living in a time with all these fantastic, you can get bacon, you can get sausage. You, there's nothing you can't get. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, think in terms of like what you're putting in your body. Do you really want to be eating another animal's fear and anguish? That's, you know, to me, that's like really making that connection when you can eat something equally as tasty way more tasty and with compassion Mm. you know try to just make that connection in your mind and say I'm going to try this for a week and then maybe it becomes two weeks and maybe it becomes and you know seek out you know I'm happy for anybody to reach out on my on my website and for solutions and websites and recipes there's so much out there that you can get for free um just you know to give it a try and and see how much better you feel and how it affects your health so your website and instagram i can put all that in the show notes is that the best way to get a hold of you if people are like i want to talk to her yeah well you can email me um and you have my email yeah um, at seed relief and then my nutrition practice if anybody wants to do um you know any type of like in-depth um mm-hmm. nutrition where you know they want me to look at their blood work and what they're doing now if they have any health issues that need to be addressed if they're on medications they need to get off of anything like that that they want to do with a vegan diet that's um a different website, which I can give you if you want me to say it now, I can or sure. Can. So um, that's that's lettuce be organic. So it's lettuce like the vegetable, L E T T U C E B, the letter B dot organic. Okay. Elise at lettuce be organic, I L Y S E at lettuce be dot organic. And that's um that's where we do. I mean, right now I can do, um, virtual nutrition conferences and, um, you know, offer people solutions of what they could be doing locally. And, um, but you know, if anybody who wants like, you know, a complimentary 20 minutes or whatever is just to talk and get some insight and, you know, where their next steps would be, they can email me and I'm happy to do that virtually with anybody. Oh, that's so lovely. 
Um, I'll put all that in the show notes too, but okay. Um, so the final question is I love asking people that I interview because everyone I interview is doing all these amazing things. And I'm always curious for people that are doing all these things like you, what do you do for yourself to like slow down and tap in? You mentioned yoga. Um, I imagine that's a part of it, but what is like your go-to kind of like modes of self-care? So I do wake up and meditate every day. Um, It's the first thing I do. I don't, before I speak to anybody, before I look at my phone, um, I do meditate. Sometimes it's as little as like three to five minutes. Sometimes it's like 20 minutes. It just depends upon the day. Um, And it's just some like deep breathing work. And um, and then I always do yoga or I'll go for a run or a bike ride. Um, but it's definitely some physical exercise every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my, I have a, my morning smoothie, which is like super nutrient dense and lots of fruits and vegetables and seeds and healthy fats. And, um, and then I, you know, cook for my family for dinner at night and, we'll treat ourselves sometimes to a vegan restaurant here and there, but definitely um, meditation and yoga and nourishing food. Um, And I do love, I'm actually next week, I'm um, co-hosting a women's retreat um, with a few other women. And one is a, um, a yoga instructor and one is a dance therapist. Ooh. One is a meditation and I, I told you I was a competitive gymnast and I also danced and I love, love to dance and there's not really so much opportunity. And I, I found this, these classes with this woman before COVID where it was like groups of women, like just doing this sort of like free liberal dance. And so this, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And so this retreat is going to be, you know, lots of like hikes in nature. I'm doing all of the food. So it's going to be really like Ayurvedic, um, nutritional, like nourishing food. And we'll do a few like nutrition talks, but like yoga, meditation, nature hikes and dance. Oh, Um, I want to, I want to come. I'll I'll keep you posted about them. I mean, it's like, yeah, I know. I'm really excited about it, but I think if people are like, meeting stuff like that right now you know like yes just this coming together I mean we're doing everybody has to get COVID tested before they come and we're just yep. you know, doing it really safely um but it's I think you know sort of like getting back to the basics right of like good food nature some like yep. free movement um I think that kind of like if you can incorporate some of that self-care um, into your life, like find the time to like dance and move. And even if you're just doing it in your house by yourself, put some good music on and just move your body, you know, just that, I think that's really grounding to just absolutely. Yeah. So that's great advice. (laughs) Dance around. That's, that's the summary. Some good food and then dance around. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you so, so much for taking this time to chat. This was such a wonderful conversation. I feel like I could talk to you forever. Ah, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much much for what you're doing and just getting the word out and giving people um, some useful information and some insightful, inspiring ideas and yeah, keep it going. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I really loved talking to Elise and was inspired by how she saw a need in her community, she figured out a way to help, and she made it happen. And I loved our conversation about being able to use our privilege to make those things happen. I hope that makes all of us think about what we can do in our own communities. If you're enjoying this podcast, hit subscribe wherever you're listening. If you want to help me get this into the ears of more listeners, send it to a friend, text it to a family member, share on social media, whatever you can do, I greatly appreciate it. And head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Until next time. Thank you.